Hello and welcome to the Dungeon Masters Guildhouse. Uh, this is a weekly podcast in which I, your host, Matthew Whitby, sit down with people all across the tabletop RPG DMs Guild and surrounding tabletop RPG space. Uh, and this week, I'm delighted to be joined by Chris Valentine. Hello. Hello. How are you doing? I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm doing. I'm doing pretty sure. As we, as as, as I just mentioned, uh, while we were we're out out of the recording zone, this is we're now in the recording zone. Prior to that. Um, yeah, I'm putting some finishing touches on a, on, on a product, which is, is very kind of exciting, um, which I think by the time that people are listening, it should already be out. Touch, like Again, touch wood, assuming there's not any kind of near disaster, but it's it's nice kind of getting over that finish line or like see the end is in sight. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. That downhill ascension where you can actually see your goal. Yeah. What, what about yourself? How have you been? What was that? What about yourself? How How have you been? I'm sorry. Uh, I've been well. I, I actually just finished uh, converting a, a module over for the Foundry virtual tabletop system. Interesting. And uh, that was the first time I'd done that. So I, I'm on the, the the downward slope of that as well, where it's getting out there now. And it's an interesting process. And it's kind of a, a neat little thing. But you, you know, I'm going to, I'm gonna, I, I kind of, I kind of ask, I'm curious about that now. What What is kind of like that? Because I know that there, there's, uh, obviously there's the, the, the virtual tabletop system varies a lot, but is is there like a good amount of like not like coding in in that sense of like? Uh, no, I mean there's a little bit some uh, configuration files mostly to mm -hmm. set up, but uh, I, I do my maps in uh, Dungeon Draft and Wonder Draft, which mm -hmm. uh, thankfully already has the lighting and the wall structure built in. So once I've done it the first time, it just saves it like that. Mm -hmm. uh, and because I did it that way, uh, it's super easy to import. And can kind of set up, and, and there is a little bit of technical parts because Foundry is a little bit technical itself. Mm -hmm. But uh, it, it really wasn't too bad. And, and once it's once it's going, it's so so nice to look at. I mean, when the the DMs purchase it and and put it in their system, it, it's ready to go. So and it, it's really nice thing. Nice. Well, if you don't mind me asking, what exactly are you kind of like converting? Is it kind of like a, a series of like maths or? Uh, no, so last year uh, I did a challenge to myself to build a, a Halloween module in one month. Yeah. Uh, sadly, I did it in October, so it was actually done on Halloween, <laughs> which was no time for anybody to use it. Uh, so that was last year. So I have like taken that and turned it into. Uh, it, it's a big adventure. It's actually over a hundred pages. It has twenty different scenes and. Wow. And I just converted all those. I figured it was a great little starter town. It has, mm -hmm. you know, a magic shop and an inn and a general store and all that stuff. So I put that whole adventure uh, into the, the virtual tabletop system now so it, it can be played online, which people are still playing online a lot for just, you know, pandemic this or that. Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, it, it, it's now it, I just finished it on October. I, as I say, I just came off of that first of October and put it up so hopefully this year now they can play my Halloween adventure that I actually wrote last year wow a hundred again I, yeah it, it's kind of like it always, you never really can anticipate the kind of scope of a project and yeah for sure was was it the case like at what point did you realize oh this is going to be this is going to be beefy there's, gonna, there's a lot in it uh, well, if you know my personality, everything I do has to be epic as far as uh, these adventures. You know, I, I can't make an adventure that doesn't end up being part of a trilogy or part of a, you know, a continuation or a sequel or something. Uh, so as I was doing it, I realized that uh, I had a great little town. So now I had to add to it to actually make it a, com a complete town. So mm -hmm. I, you know, it didn't have a general store. So I added that it didn't have a... Uh, uh, 
Taylor or a Smith. So I added those things. And, and as I did that, uh, those things spawned new story ideas. So and the idea of it was to be a, a, an adventure you can come back to every Halloween and uh, or any kind of spooky day and run a different area of the town. You know, that maybe you're going to go over to this ruin this time, but next time you run this, you can go to the wharf and see what's happening there or, you know, anything like that. It's, it's pretty versatile. I think seasonally, or is it, you can get away with, again, spooky events around October. Um, and then there's also that weird thing where you can get a little bit spooky around Christmas. Yeah. I think that's literally only because of Nightmare Before Christmas has kind of made that made that a valid option. Um, but no, I think you're right. We need we need more kind of like sp- spooky holidays just kind of dotted throughout the year. Um, uh, yeah, it, it, in that one, actually, because it came out on Halloween and I wanted to be able to give it to people and it was too late. I actually went back and added in, uh, you know, here in the U.S., the Thanksgiving holiday. I since it was already harvest, I just added in. A couple more chapters that took care of Thanksgiving, so now I can actually run for both of those holidays, which I'm very happy. So, about. so is the plan to like almost like drip feed, keep expanding it, so you're kind of covered all year round? Or you know what, kind of, because I had a Wicker Jack saves Christmas idea that will uh, <laughs> incorporate quite nicely. I think. So, so I, I guess to kind of I talk, I kind of like talk more broadly. Then um, you kind of mentioned it yourself that again, kind of a, a big fan of writing adventures. But for the people kind of listening, what are like, again, the kind of main sort of products that you kind of have released out over the, I guess, over the course of your career? Uh, yeah. So it's it been about two years, uh, though I did take a long hiatus during this pandemic to deal with pandemic things. Yeah. Uh, but uh, mostly adventures. That's that's really what I love is the stories and the what if scenarios and, and you know what happens if these two entities collided or this person discovered this that kind of thing so uh i, I mostly put out adventures i have some, a subclass out another subclass getting ready to come out uh i've put out a divination system which is just you know roll 2d8s and you can read your own fortune type of a thing Ooh. uh but mostly adventures that's that's what i like my, my my uh goal will be to have like full campaign books that are you know third party i was i mean unless wizards of the coast hires me to do that you know, <laughs> yeah. wouldn't, wouldn't say no uh, but that, that's really what I've done. I've, I've got a trilogy that just came out last month uh, that integrates with the Ghosts of Saltmarsh book and a, a big uh, Shadowfell campaign that people seem to really like. Interesting. So is it the case of um, some of these adventures kind of stemming from kind of like your home games? Or is it kind of like, again, kind of exploring ideas of like, oh, this would be kind of cool and kind of uh, it's a mix of both. I have one uh, that's uh, in really early stages of development right now called Everstorm, which is my home campaign uh, that I took meticulous notes during, and I plan to release that as a campaign at some point. So that that would be from a home game. Uh, the trilogy I just mentioned in Ghosts of Saltmarsh, I, I, I DM at conventions a lot, mm-hmm. or at least I did when there were a lot of conventions, and uh, Ghosts of Saltmarsh was always something I I, I came back to because I had the book and then I had all the miniatures printed, 3D printed out, and I, you know it was, it was very convenient. Uh, so I used that to then spurn that trilogy that I just made, and then the rest of it is just my what if ideas that just came. I, I have like a, a really overactive imagination, so I, it, more I can capture the better. So I, I guess as well, I, I always, I'm always kind of fascinated about people who kind of uh, set with like multi-part adventure uh, or do kind of like adventure chains. What, what what is it about like trilogies that is kind of like alluring? Is it the fact that like you can kind of tell like a, a whole kind of arc, arc, like arc, arching story? Or is it the fact that like after you do one adventure, you're just like, oh, so, so much I kind of want to expand or add on? Uh, yeah, I think that is, uh, you know, you're, you're probably familiar with the phrase about killing your darlings and, and you know, don't get too set on things. Well, I, I think I have a problem with that is that <laughs> I, 
I just put them in the next adventure instead of getting rid of them. You know, I don't cut it. I like, Oh, we'll, we'll, we'll go into that. The next adventure. I, you know, I've already had the idea and it's already sort of mapped out and I've already laid the groundwork. Uh, and as well as, as, as far of like a sales perspective, if, if a so-and-so DM has already purchased this adventure, it's high likelihood they'll want to continue with those characters on the next one. So it, it kind of has its own built-in audience. Is, and, and, and I get it is, do you do anything to kind of circumvent potentially people buying like the second or third one in adventure that it kind of can because again that's something to kind of be aware of that you can go either two way of like no this is this is a, a story thread through that you need one to go to the next or you can have the second one where like people can start here it just you know there may be some hanging kind of plot points that you kind of need to uh yeah i don't do anything to circumvent it for sure i try to make sure that they all can run standalone yeah if that's if that's the desire and i put a little recap of what happened in the last one if they want to know, or I mentioned a few ways how they can just come right into it. And then at the end of it, it will have a good ending that doesn't require the next one to go forward so that they can go where they want to go, or they can get the next part either way. Oh, fantastic. And I, I take it. So is, is, is with some of these kind of, I guess, trilogy projects and stuff like that, were there, uh, were there points where you're just like, I'm not entirely sure whether it kind of, like, I, I, I guess I'm trying to ask, like, did you, when you sit down to write the first one, are you already thinking of like how it connects to the third or is it once you finish the first one, you're like, okay, I've got some more kind of, again, I've got more ideas that didn't quite fit into this one. Uh, I think it's in the middle somewhere of the first one, let's say I, uh, you know, I've got the the queen or the king or the villain or the bandit or whatever it is. Mm -hmm. And uh, as I'm putting that together with the little pieces of the plot and the character structure and the, the environment that were, excuse me, my, uh, overactive imagination goes well what happens if that you know has this bandit been to other towns and what's yeah. the repercussions there is, are they waiting for him is there a wanted poster for this uh, person over there and then you know all those thoughts they just keep coming so i try to record them you know as much as i can and then if i get enough of them together which i always have there's another story there to be told so then i i guess because I, I when it comes to writing adventures then um I'm I'm always kind of fascinated because I, I I don't know whether there is kind of two schools of thought, but I noticed that there are kind of you can easily write two distinctly different types of adventures and one where it's kind of like very sort of event driven, where you have kind of like a fixed location which can again have like a good a good number of locations that the party can kind of explore and go about, or you have the kind of um, I guess I'll call it like the, the fellowship approach where it's just like you're going from like point to point and each kind of point is its own kind of unique vista. Um, it sounds like this hundred page project that you kind of been working on is, is a little kind of like maybe a little bit more of the latter with kind of a fully fleshed town that I maybe I imagine maybe at points you kind of venture out of, but that kind of location is kind of almost like the centerpiece itself. Yeah, that's, that's correct. And that the Halloween one wicker Jack, it is definitely centered around the town. As a matter of fact, all the plot points happen in old buildings in the town or with the history of the town or, uh, you know, just in the woods around town, it's all definitely centered right in that town. That, and that's kind of the norm, I would say, of how I do it, because, yeah. you know, I've invested a lot of creation in the thing. I don't just they don't you know just move on immediately and go somewhere else, at least not yet. I haven't done that. I think. I, yeah, I think that's something like it, that's always that balance of like, because obviously the you kind of have like the starting story point, which is just like, oh, you start in a town. And then as a designer, you're always just like, well, what's in that town? And, and then you start kind of filling out the town. And it's like for the quest, they may not go here. In, but it's it's just it's just like kind of like natural impulse to kind of like again not have the dm going uh there's a tailor and then kind of having to kind of um 
is is that something that you kind of you kind of like to lean into that and you like to kind of like again as much as possible kind of say here's all these things look at you know whatever happens happens kind of thing yeah i'm really into uh, continuity good continuity and i'm i'm always afraid of when i run something somebody will ask you know well why why did that guy come to this town why why did that lady uh run away from wherever why did this uh orc tribe march through you know what was their motivation where they come from why didn't they go with some other you know I'm, and i'm always certain that i need to have all those answers even though i probably don't it's probably fine but i think i do and then in the midst of that i end up with all this material well so i guess what is one of the ways that you kind of go about kind of ensuring uh, i was about to say combating con- continuity but you don't want to combat it you want to maintain it <laughs> yeah yeah uh, i have a great big timeline like a i'm a I'm an outliner. I like, I, I like to do top down. So I have mm-hmm. these big bullet points and I just continuously drill down. Well, I always have one that is a, a timeline of when things happen. So 50 years, it, it doesn't have to be specific, but you know, 50 years ago, a year ago, a hundred mm-hmm. years ago, three months ago. And uh, if there's any major events, I always stick them in that timeline so that I never say the wrong thing somewhere else about when something happened. And I can always quickly refer to it that, you know, this event happened after this event. So this person would know this information or, or wouldn't know this information, that, that type of thing. And is, is the timeline, is, again, is that something you, you'd like to try and kind of like throw into the products themselves? Or is that mainly just from like a designer standpoint, it's a useful tool to kind of get? Uh, it's just mostly for me, though the one that I just did for Halloween actually does show the timeline because that specific town has a lot to do with when things happen. So I, I put it in there. But usually it's just for me to keep everything straight in my head so that I don't end up... Uh, contradicting myself no it's interesting because i there are like a number of like uh at times in process where i've kind of i don't know i've busted out like an excel sheet to try and like make sense of like a, a particular plot point or or you know the way certain things are happen um that sometimes i'm always like you know what like this has been useful for me as a designer trying to get my head straight maybe this is something i can i can just throw in the adventure that from a dm's kind of standpoint it they might kind of find useful and it sounds like again so at least with the you know the this the kind of timeline for you know wicker jack was kind of the same sort of thing um i'm curious has there been anything else like that where you've kind of made something that you just like this this isn't quite i guess like quote unquote traditional for like an adventure format but it's it's useful uh so i have done and this may be adjacent to what you're asking but i, I think it, it's mostly pertinent uh, as I, I did my first big adventure it was called lost in shadow and it was a mimic of the uh, original D beginners box the not original the 5e beginners box mm-hmm. uh the, where they go to lost mine of fandelver and there's all those different locations well i made a, a shadow fell version of that where you go to all the same locations but they're the shadow fell versions of those locations so yeah. sometimes they're the same sometimes they're destroyed sometimes they're entirely different and and that was a little bit i mean it's been very successful people seem to really like it and, and, it, and again they're going back to something familiar but it's also different yeah and my next i'm actually working on a sequel for that is where they do all these same things in the Feywild version of those locations okay and then I should have done a timeline, which I'll have to redo retroactively, is the sequel after that, if I get to it, will be they come back from the Feywild into the regular Tribor area, which is where Lost Minds takes place. Uh, but uh, centuries have passed. Oh, okay. But yeah. Feywild has weird times. So they come back and they're like, wait a second, it's now 200 years later. How do we... How do we get back to where we started? I think it's it's really easy for like again Feywild campaigns because you always have to be like okay well let 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 them, let them go to the Feywild and then there's a moment of like 
how am I going to deal with them leaving? It's it's like there's there's no easy way to do it because it can be one thing of like, oh, you know, you literally weren't even gone. It happened like the whole adventure was six seconds and that's fine. Uh, but then, yeah, you have the other end of the spectrum where it's like, oh, this is this is world ending. The, the everything has kind of continued in the background. Um, but I did want to say I do I do really like that idea about literally having essentially a num- uh, numerous adventures all based in the same location, kind of playing around with that kind of Feywild um, and Shadowfell because it it, t- it took a little while to, for me to kind of get my head wrapped around it. But it's the fact that like they they're kind of like I don't I don't think of the best way to describe it is like the the material plane is like one frequency and the Feywild and like the Shadowfell are the same frequency but just kind of like pitch shifted. Sure, yeah, different amplitude. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if yeah, there's probably like sound engineers listening that like, what are you saying? Um, but for me it makes sense. Um and and yeah, I yeah, I I like that. I I've been meaning to kind of um dabble a little bit with the Shadowfell as well. Um just because it's it's weird. It's kind of like that weird kind of spookiness. You got kind of what is it, the 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 home of the Raven Queen as well. Which is a very kind of like enigmatic and again pretty cool character to kind of um include um and yeah on the other end of the spectrum you kind of have yeah the, the Feywild which which I it's it's that hot, I, I I sometimes I struggle where it's like I don't know if you I always necessarily lean into kind of how scaled up to 11 everything is within the Feywild um and the fact that how kind of otherworldly like I because it is, it is otherworldly. So having to remember to describe the fact that all the colors you see are just like so vibrant or, you know, the way that like the wind moves is, is that it's, it is almost kind of like they t- taking like a, a portal to like another planet. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, I usually describe it as the shadow fell as everything is desaturated. It's all that, all that vibrance, like you just said, is, <laughs> is removed and the world itself, the, the land wants to reclaim you it wants to take you down everything you're, you're like struggling to stand or move because everything there wants death to be the homeostasis point and Feywild is the other way around it's like beaming with life and it wants to overcharge everything it's super saturated and you have uh, uh enormous you know primordial energies that are just at, at work uh, against each other and against you yeah no I, yeah i'm trying to say it that's kind of like uh, viewing them from uh viewing both kind of planes through the lens of like how they view life is sure, kind of yeah. a good way to do that um well like i guess like what are some of the kind of interesting things that you kind of try to incorporate with working with like the shadow film in particular uh i try to incorporate apathy a lot so a lot of the things there they don't have a drive like they they exist and drudge through because that's what they they have to do and they're not super driven to you know succeed or to reach a goal or something they're kind of in a and traditionally the, that plane of shadow is kind of a fugue state you know on the way to death or after death hmm. uh, so i try to capture that is that these these individuals just are not uh, motivated much other than going through the routine just mindlessly through a routine and that's kind of what they do uh, actually was so correct me if i'm wrong so obviously um, obviously they are kind of like the, 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 like the material plane, but kind of, again, kind of like pitch shifted. Um, there's not like, again, there's not like Feywild copies or Shadowfell copies of individuals. It's just people who inhabit those, or does it work like that? Again, I'm, 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 I'm not entirely sure. I, I actually, I don't recall ever, I, I did a lot of research. I don't recall ever seeing an individual, uh, entity, uh, with a personality that yeah. had a different version in each world. It's always... Uh, just the environment or the structures and that kind of thing. I, I don't recall ever seeing an actual person. 
And then there's just the kind of the typical individuals who inhabit the Feywild or the Shadowfell are just, again, either either they found themselves... Because like, I think with the Shadowfell, you can find yourself in there if you uh, experience, again, a good amount of dread or apathy or kind of... Because um, that's another thing as well. Again, this is, getting, we'll get, this is like deep law talk, isn't it? Um, the, the, all the kind of domains of dread kind of sit adjacent to... Or in the Shadowfell? Uh, yeah, they're just little pocket bubbles inside yeah. the Shadowfell. Yeah, they and that and the Wicker Jack actually, coincidentally, at least I thought I had invented it last year. Uh, I put the where Wicker Jack is from because he's an Archfey, mm -hmm. uh, from a Feywild version of a Domain of Dread, which I called a Domain of Fervor back then. But mm -hmm. now it's just come out that these are not Domains of Delight. So you know, same thing. Uh, but yeah, though. It's really amazing the space you can work with, and even if you can't find where you're working, you just create your own little bubble. Yeah, no, I, I, yeah, there's, I, I do like kind of like like leeway of like the moment you kind of start dealing with like wizards and kind of like extra planar like bubbles, you you know anything like you don't need, you you don't necessarily have to be absolutely kind of beholden to the um, forgotten realms law, but sometimes it, sometimes it's nice to to kind of dip in every now and then. Um, so I'm I guess kind of like more broadly then um, across kind of old do you kind of like adventure paths and everything that you can do um is there like a kind of pretty consistent kind of like starting point of like where where you kind of draw inspiration from or uh i i mean i watch fantasy movies i see books I, i've read uh when i when i was little growing up my uh you know my dad didn't think Dungeons dragons was cool so much so it wasn't something i was encouraged so i didn't play a lot i mean i was aware of it i played a couple times and then mostly i would buy the books and just read them because that's what I can do on my own. I have to find people to play with. And we moved a lot and stuff. Uh, so I've always read the lore. I thought that was you know, amazing, the stories. Uh, and then, you know, same with films. When you can find them, there's sometimes not the right type of fantasy films or at least mm -hmm. not the type that I like. Uh, but nowadays, for as far as inspiration of where I'm starting, it's all, I have like a, a perpetual what-if engine that runs in my head at all times. And... Uh, that's predominantly where any idea I have comes in. You know, what if this happened and this happened at the same time? What would the outcome be? And, yeah. and from that springs the idea. I'm, I'm, I was curious. So, so is it kind of like as you kind of like, I guess, reading through kind of like the newer d, &D books or just kind of looking around in particular, what are the kind of, I guess, areas that you find just kind of latching to for like a what if scenario? Is it typically sometimes like, like I guess, like, particular types of magic, particular art of like items of power, or is it just like, you know, just like, oh, you know, like a, I don't know, like a, a um, I'm thinking more of like a, a turbulent sea, you're, you know. Uh, I mean, I, I don't want to give the cop-out answer, but it's kind of a little bit of everything. I mean, yeah. if I see a, you know, a creature has this amazing ability and I think, well, well, how would a creature like with that ability live? Like if they could, I don't know, if they can make cake, anytime they wanted to, what would that life be like? So yeah. obviously they'd own a bakery, right? I mean, they, they'd profit off it if they could. And they, you know, maybe they would have lots of different types of cake or, you know, it, it's it's really anything I read. I, and I do read the books just as books usually, unless I plan to play the campaign. I, I have a whole section of my bookshelf that's uh, the published D and D material, but I haven't opened it at all because I'm, I want to play it someday. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, yeah. I think that there there, there is like a certain talent to like being able to play through a kind of like an adventure book that you yourself have kind of read through, um, and just kind of like, no, I I know there's a secret door in this room, but I just I just have to hold, yeah. hold my hands up and hope someone else kind of finds it. Um, I did kind of I guess I kind of want to ask because you kind of mentioned that you did a fair bit of kind of like I guess like adventurely content. 
Um, yes, uh, that was my first. Uh, okay, so again, I didn't play when I was young very much. I wasn't encouraged. I, mm -hmm. I spent many years uh, just in my peripheral peripherals, knowing that it existed, uh, but never, you know, I didn't didn't know where to find the people. I didn't know what to do. So uh, I went to a, a gaming convention uh, a few years ago, five years ago, something mm -hmm. like that, and they had this like where you can play board games or try different games, and we did that a little bit, me and my wife, and they had a Pathfinder game. We tried that, it, it, it really went horribly. I, I don't think because of Pathfinder, I think Pathfinder is fine. I think it was the people that were hosting it were not very good at explaining it. The following year, we went back there again and there was a, a 5e Adventures League group. And they were much better at explaining it and we really had fun. So we then sought out game stores to play it. Mm -hmm. And we play, started playing with people, started meeting people and I was like, wow, I would really like to make my own world. That sounds really cool. And then I noticed that some of the adventures we would play were the CCC modules that they had that were created for conventions. And I was like, oh, I can write one myself. That's that's even better. Uh, and so that became my goal. I was like, oh, great. I'm going to write this. And then they're going to have it at conventions and people will play it. And then I'll be famous, you know, soon because I'm so great. You know, I mean, yeah. everybody's going to know it. Uh, so I started writing that. Yeah, and it was uh, uh, kind of not a fun process because, uh, and I don't want to talk bad about the Wizards of the Coast people, I'm sure they're busy or whatever, but it took like eight or nine or ten months for my adventure to be edited because I was always waiting on the return of the, of the, of the, of the adventure. I'd, I'd do my edits, I'd send it in and it would take a two months for me to hear back. Yeah. So that kind of dragged that on and then by the time it actually was released they said, okay, here you go. You can put it on DMs Guild. It's good to go. I was like, great. Finally, you know, I'm here, here it is. And then they changed the uh, rules where you can't play historic adventures anymore with new characters. So I was like, wow, that doesn't really work great. Yeah. So uh, I, I did get it on there. I mean, it was a great experience because through all that editing and, and they were super strict, at least all my stuff that I write now should be like, you know, right on the style guide. I should have everything written super well. Yeah, but, yeah. Um, the, I must admit, I've always found that the the kind of like there, there, there's a, a very kind of particular set of skills to writing like uh, CCC or uh, what's it called Dungeon Craft content. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that again, that I think the rules to Dungeon Craft. I think again, you still have to follow the style guide and all that. But I think they're slightly more lax now. Again, yo, I, for I, sure. Um, yeah, they're they're much better. And as a matter of fact, I kind of do them again now because you can now create your own stories. They have. They, they had to, a way to do it where you had to follow a certain story, certain story seed and you had mm -hmm. to begin it that way and end it with a magic item that really wasn't that great. But they've changed it now where you can have your own domain of delight except with this season and you can write whatever you want and the, the list of rewards is much better. And and like you said, it's more more lax and there's, there's not so much oversight. You can mm -hmm. just do it. And and I guess they let the, the populace determine whether it was good or not by sales or by reviews or something like that. But yeah, it's much better now. But the kind of, I guess the kind of rules of old, it, again, it's kind of like, uh, it, it, it's, it's a very interesting way to kind of view adventure writing. It's kind of the case of where it, it's kind of like, um, I guess, uh, uh, like not it's, it's purpose over form. It's kind of like each kind of section you kind of have to be like, does this again, on a quick glance, does this help the DM in any way, shape, or form? If not, cut it, you know, or yeah. you know, just because like you're working with like very particular like con schedules that kind of have to fit within a time zone. Um, so I, I, th I think, again, it kind of helps to, again, 
when you're kind of writing other adventures kind of like okay this has this has everything you kind of need um and i do know with kind of the adventures that i've kind of written kind of that i know really kind of you know uh working away from the kind of convention format i'm i'm so much more flowery with my like i'm so much more like oh you know this is like oh, i get, i get i have all these words that i could now include or um you know kind of um uh different kind of like uh, a freedom because i know that it's kind of a more relaxed kind of well again i, I don't know what the dm's going to be doing as they're playing i just i, I just assume it's going to be more relaxed than that kind of convention um but i guess overall uh, to kind of bring it back to you then is is it would you say did you actually so did you so writing ccc content was kind of how you kind of started yeah i well the desire to write it is how i started i i my first the adventure that I released actually went to that uh, RPG writer workshop, which I know a lot of people have been through. Uh, and I I did that first because I wanted to make sure I understood the process and I had the general idea. And, and they were good at taking me through, you know, I think it was a month long thing and, and you, you, you had the design process and the writing and the editing and then the publishing and then some of the marketing. And I did that and the adventure that I made through that process has paid has paid for the class. So it was, you know, it was, it was plenty good. Yeah. Uh, and then I, yeah, I started with the CCC was the next after that. I was like, okay. As a matter of fact, my, my module that I made uh, in that class was a precursor to the module I intended to make for the CCC. Cause again, I can't not do trilogies. Like apparently that's what I have to do. Yeah. Uh, but then I said it was a long process. So even though I did do it, uh, it didn't come out for far later. And I guess I, I can't really blame the Wizards of the Coast editing process as much as I did. I, I forgot also the pandemic happened during this time. That's, yeah. So the, the, the convention we were going to run it at got canceled. You know, other things also happened. So it, it was just my timing as far as when I was coming into this was not not the best. So it was a kind of a bad experience. So what was the first adventure that you wrote kind of out, out of the kind of, while I guess while all the kind of the, the convention stuff was kind of ongoing, uh, what was kind of like? Okay, well, I, I've, I've, you know, I've, I've tried my, you know, um, advent, adventure writer workshop. Um, I've done a little bit of CCC now. Uh, what was kind of the, the, the next scene to kind of kick things off? Uh, well, in, in the midst of the CCC writing, as that was going back and forth with editing and whatnot, I was writing that Shadowfell adventure, which I wanted it to be an alternative starter campaign that takes you through all of Tier One. Mm -hmm. So uh, again, I'm always biting off more than I can chew. That's like a large adventure it takes you through four levels yeah uh so that one took a while uh and then i finally got that out and it was you know it was received well which probably gave me the motivation to do more and then the next thing after that was i think i made a an adventure that i think the uh the descent into avernus book was coming out mm -hmm. and the ghosts of salt marsh book had, had just been out and i was like great i'm going to make an adventure that takes you from salt marsh to Baldur's gate because everybody will need that. They're yeah. all obviously they're all going to need that. So I'll do that adventure. Uh, and that one was more, it's more like just a bunch of random encounters that happen on the sea as you're going from one location to another. I must admit, there, there is I, yeah, no, I, I think that that's that's so clever. It's, it feels like there's almost like a kind of like untapped market of of because I, I didn't, I don't know, just because like in the campaigns that I've kind of played have always kind of been kind of kind of sticking to like one hard cover, but there's got to be groups out there who just like they're playing with one hundred card cover and they're just like, you know what, let's the moment the new one comes out let's jump ship and to kind of have like the i guess the adventures or kind of like tools in place to kind of help facilitate that kind of like transition between campaigns um what was the i guess so so what were like uh what were like so from salt marsh to uh i guess borders gate then what were like some of the kind of 
the themes you tried to kind of incorporate in to kind of, I guess, mesh the two campaigns or? Uh, so <clears throat> in Salt Marsh, there was a uh, devil, or something named Zendros that has a magic shop and you can buy magic items. Yeah. So I, I was like, okay, great. We already have a devil here. This descent into Avernus is all devils. So I'm going to make them the quest giver. Nice. And they had a dream or I can't even remember right now, but they had, they had a dream or they needed something and they hire the, the, uh, the players to, you know, the dream was like, something's going to happen in Baldur's Gate and I need you to get there and check on my interests or something like that. Mm -hmm. And it, during that time, then the, the 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 devil entities want to prevent the players from going there. So as you're traveling through all the the uh, random encounters in the ocean, have to, you know that somehow there's some kind of devil influence. And I even have a uh, one of those uh, I can't remember what they're called the 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 hell vehicles. You know the oh, okay, yeah, the uh, oh, what what are they called the uh, uh, yeah, we we both know what about like the yeah, yeah. Uh, hell, hell's like I was about to call them hell's engines. Yeah, right. Yeah, something like that. But I have a boat that's one of the engines. That's like a big, you know, metal motorboat that tries to you know catch up with them to attack and stuff. That, that, that uh, also is something cool because like that's something that I don't think the um, the center furnace didn't really uh, tap into because obviously you had you had bikes, you had trucks, you kind of had like um okay, oh, infernal machines. Infernal machines, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I was I was looking off screen because I was looking at my uh my book and I was gonna go grab the hardcover because I again I don't think we we had we had we had to have found out um but no my brain brain remembered um but no being able to do like some infernal boats um is yeah, yeah kind of like because yeah I mean you want a, a vehicle for kind of every occasion um and they they do kind of have like an infernal kind of like ship just by going was it like you know like was it Zariel's fortress. Oh, oh, I should mention this too. At the time I was doing it, the book wasn't out yet. So I was oh. going off of previews or anything I can grab to yeah. get information. Like I knew there was soul coins, but I really didn't know what they did. Yeah. So, but I, but I had one in the adventure hoping I did it right. You know, I, and I did, I ended up having it in such a way that it made sense, but yeah, I was going off just previews and clips and little tiny things. I no, I must, I have huge, like, um, um, kind of, um, uh, I, I really admire people who kind of do that kind of like, there's a product coming out on this date. We know some things, but we want to try and make things work. And um, I remember hearing, what was it? There was the the book of like um, uh, mythic, mythic kind of creatures yep. that was kind of due to come out kind of around the same kind of theory state that the day of release, they, they, they bought the book in digital form and then kind of had to go back through and kind of like, ah, this is kind of, I think that was, oh, I think that was um, Brian. Um, and I believe Cassandra as well. I think that was, was some of the people on that team. Um, yeah, I remember seeing that collaboration going through their their Discord and them talking about it. Yeah, it is. Yeah, no, but no. So, so was it? Were there anything that you kind of like once Baldur's Gate, uh, like Descent and came out, that you were just like, okay, maybe I do need to change this part? Or did again? Was it kind of cases that you kind of had set yourself up nicely that just like this is perfect? It just kind of. Uh, so this is one of those books that I wouldn't want, didn't want to open because I wanted to play it. So I kind of had to skim <laughs> very uh, gingerly around to make sure that I think that my stuff, you know, meshed well and it did. And then I, mm -hmm. I, I put the book away and I think it still did a pretty good job. Oh, oh fantastic. So, so well then I guess kind of like more broadly then. So yeah, we've kind of talked, spoken a good bit about kind of like what some adventures have kind of included. Um, when it comes down to sitting down and writing, um, do you have like a, a favorite and least favorite part of the process? Uh, yeah, for sure. So my favorite part is uh, just the imaginative process. Like the what if, like I, I've been talking about is, 
is thinking about it, drawing out conclusions. And then, and, and there's a time which I, when I was younger or less experienced, whichever one you want to use, uh, they always talk about, you know, uh, you see here an author say, I didn't write this. The story told me that this was a thing. I, it's not something I came up with, you know, once it's like stories all exist somewhere in, in, in some dimension and you just tap into it and then you start learning it from, you know, you didn't even write it, but it's obvious that clearly this must have been the case. Yeah. So that's, that's my favorite part, I think, is just that you're, you, you know, I think I invented this character. I think I invented this scenario or this location, but really once I start writing it, I see that, you know, maybe it's always existed and things flow because that's how they, they had to have flown, you know, and that was, it was just a great little, little thing when you realize that. So, so I guess one thing that I, I'm kind of, so, so before kind of getting onto kind of like your least favorite part, I kind of want to ask, because in kind of imagining kind of like what if scenarios and like putting yourself into the shoes of certain characters to think about logically, like, would they do X or Y? Do you put, I, I guess like, it, where, where is kind of like the limit? Or like, is, is there ever a point where you're just like, I think I've kind of worked out enough just because I, I feel like, especially like if, again, I, my mind goes straight to like putting myself either in the mind of a wizard or a goblin. A goblin is a lot easier. Wizard, I just feel like there's like, there's almost like no end. It kind of spirals off in every, every which direction. Uh, yeah, I, I run into that all the time. And, it, and, it, and I have to kind of reel myself in when I say, okay, I don't have to answer every question. The DM needs to be, have room to work. So I can just set up some broad strokes mm -hmm. and even though I may know the answers, at least to what I think they are, yeah. I haven't written down. I don't put them in the publication so that I'm not narrow focused that this only has to run one, one particular way. So when it comes to like, I guess, an individual or location, then are there kind of like a set of core questions that you try and always try and have like the answers for or? Uh, yeah. Uh, so with the characters, let's say there is the same, you know, very similar to the, when you're designing a character with the flaw and the bond and the mm -hmm. this and the, you know that. So the same with uh, uh, locations I have, uh, you know, what is their export? What do mm -hmm. they import? Uh, is this a small town or, you know, it's a city? Is it a town? Is it a huge metropolis? Uh, what kind of people come there? Uh, what is their form of tourism? So that's, you know, what they think is the most unique, what would people go on vacation here to see, you know, just some the basic things like that to kind of help paint a little bit of a more of a rounder picture. So it's not so uh, robotic. Uh, and then as far as that, and then I have like regions have a little bit too, like, you know, this is a, or, or biome, I should say, right? This mm -hmm. is a marsh. So what type of things do people who live in a marsh do that people who live in the desert don't do? You know, is, you know, is water is super important or is, uh, you know, dry clothes really important or whatever, whatever yeah. the different pieces are. No, fair. Yeah. So I guess it's kind of the kind of the, the, it, it, again, it's kind of nice that you kind of do have those almost like bullet point lists, like the kind of like, oh, this, this, the, these, this is the information that summarizes this individual or this kind of location. Um, no, fair. And then I guess, again, so, sorry, because I did, I did cut you off, but the, your least favorite part of the, the process. Uh, so my least favorite part uh, is, is the tedium parts that kind of join all the creative parts together. Like, you know, I, I need to proofread, but that's not fun per se. <laughs> you know, you have to do editing, you have to uh, do word counts or you have to market. Actually, I should say marketing is probably my least favorite part. I'm I'm an introverted person. I don't like to go out there and, and have to like sell myself or sell my stuff. Yeah. Uh, so that was probably 
I should I should retroactively change. Yeah, but no, marketing is my I, least favorite. I, like I mean, I think there there is that point where obviously like there there are always going to be like different points where it's like there's little like trips across the kind of the path of, of a, a process and and the fact that marketing is that case of like where. You, like it's I don't know what it is it, it, I think it's the same way when I hit it at the like the end of the project before like editing and the same with the, when I release the project my brain enters that mode of like I'm done I've 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 like in the first part it's like I've written the thing it is it has been done then obviously I have to go through and kind of like you know respond to all the edits and then when I, I press like push live I'm done it's like it's literally at but it's not because you have the whole kind of marketing stuff that you kind of need to keep going on and kind of pushing through um and yeah, no, I, I'm 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 with you on that one. Um, and I'm always kind of like I'm always kind of watching kind of the way other people kind of tackle marketing, uh, for, as kind of like points of inspiration. But I don't know. It just feels it feels it, it feels like it, it's a tough space to kind of because it it it's just that kind of case of um, I guess being 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 just regularly standing on top of a hill and shouting. And being happy yeah. to shout every so often. And yeah, then... my, my method is to emulate, emulate what's working for other people because I it's not something that's natural for me. So if I see somebody that's very popular and their stuff is selling or their stuff is being talked about, I just I just try to do what they whatever I saw them do. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think as well, it, it makes me always think about because um like putting it in context of like a Kickstarter campaign, just the fact that it it's it's that kind of like month-long stint of where you kind of need to kind of keep up that kind of like that that and i'm just like i, I don't i don't think i have it in me um yeah and, and like, one thing i've learned too is that kickstarters are not the i mean they're that they're that month but then there's like a three four six month period before that where you're trying to build the momentum and then you're just finally pulling the cork on the month long thing and so it's like a big process yeah so no i must admit it, it is that case of like where i i know i kind of a weakness that i have as a person is is the fact that i i i once get products past that finish line to like release out and stuff like that i'm kind of like I, I don't really do so much promo as much anymore it kind of oh. it reaches that two week mark where i was like it's been out for two weeks whatever it is, it is. um but i mean there, there's honestly nothing stopping you from like i don't know every now and then kind of being like hey it's like a retro uh wait i was trying to think of a good day because it always needs to rhyme throwback thursdays there you go um sure, it's, yeah it's throwback thursday here's you know a product that you know i released yonks ago um but yeah uh, i don't know you kind in, of... in a perfect world i would have a person that does that for me i would be able to yeah. pay that or you know divide the royalties or whatever and i would be like great i've done my designer part please do your part to sell that and you know we'll get along great i'll, I'll get started on the next one i mean i i, I think i I've said this a few times before but there's a reason why that people have like marketing departments <laughs> just like, it's, it's 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 a it's a job marketing is a whole, whole kind of thing in itself um so I don't know, maybe I need to take like a crash course in marketing and maybe that'll. <laughs> uh, so, so surprisingly that, that RPG workshop I did, they actually did have a marketing, uh, oh, I did cool. that a year later. And, yeah. uh, it has a lot of good notes. There's a lot of good stuff, but it, again, that doesn't come natural for me. So even though I have the notes, I don't, I don't think to check them or think to do them. It, if, if you don't mind me asking, is there anyone that you kind of remember off the top of your head of like what's, what was like some of, some of their advice? Um, well, putting yourself out there is first, you know, like, uh, mm -hmm especially like even this video we're doing right now, I, I, I do, I have to force myself to, to be public or to be, you know, exposed, let's say, because, you yeah. know, I'm sure there's some self-esteem issues there, or confidence issues. Uh, so that's one of the first thing is just, a, uh, I remember a lot of, you know, it's like, put yourself out there, be in new places, like talk to people and interact. And, you know, and of course me, I'm going like, oh, well, that's a, 
that's a very vulnerable situation. I don't know. I don't want to do that. Yeah. Um, another one is like venues, like not not a convention venues, but like uh, you know uh, avenues of where you, where you know there's forums or there's Discord mm-hmm. or there's social media uh, talking about that. And I think another one of the big ones is uh, mailing lists or fan bases. You know, that's the the big one is that if you if you already connect with a person and you know and uh, a purchaser or somebody who likes with the type of stuff you like, cause everybody has their own tone yeah. and you can retain that and talk to them. You'll be able to, to give them material time and time again, because your, your tones match up or your, your, what you guys like is the same. Yeah, no, I, I yeah, no, I think I, 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 it's a case of like, there was that recent kind of kick where uh, a lot of people were like, Oh yeah, no, I should, I should get like a mainly list as a fat. And I was, I was like, I, I think I was too lazy at the time to, to, to try and put something together, but it's like case of like it does just make sense because because it, it's kind of that other tool of like again it's 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 I think the way the best way I can I, I view marketing is is it, it nine times out of ten the best approach is something of a shotgun approach <laughs> where, where it's far as wide as possible and you just hope that something somewhere hits um, and and yeah having like you know the kind of um, uh, kind of uh i've I, see it's bad i've already forgotten the word for it the the email list is that what it's called yeah you know email marketing email list yeah, yeah the um the is this just one way if like people who like your stuff can kind of yeah stay in the know about it um yeah and, and another hard thing about it is is now there, there's this list and i gotta talk to this list once every month week what you know whatever the uh iteration yeah. is and i'm like well you know what do i have to say that they want to hear do they they really care that i typed a lot in word or you know that i drew some maps i mean obviously that's what i'm doing why do they want to hear yeah well here's the thing i think people always appreciate free stuff so hey you know throwing like a map their way i'm sure they'll, they'll, they'll people love that sort of thing yeah, i'm sure you're right <laughs> yeah so i guess kind of to I dig a little bit deeper then into kind of like your creative process about some of the things you've done already um is there like a, a design choice that you've kind of made that you kind of like yeah i, I nailed it with that one uh I'll have to go back to my Shadowfell adventure. I, I, I think I haven't seen anybody do that with the similar locations mm-hmm. and the, uh, and, and another thing I haven't, I haven't mentioned yet is that a lot of the things that you're seeing in the Shadowfell versions of these things are uh, things that you've seen on the prime material side, but you didn't realize it. Like if you're familiar with that adventure, there's a, there's a forge of spells mm-hmm. or spell forge or something that people make magic items with. Why well, put a creature in the same location in the shadow fell that's being sapped of their magical energy. So now you know why the spell forge does what it does. It's 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 siphoning from this other creature who is uh you know suffering because of it. So you got to think now. Oh my, yeah, no, is I, I a good thing or whatever. I, I love the idea of like taking a known location and then kind of like flipping flipping the script on it and kind of presenting it in an entirely new light. Um, was it kind of easy to kind of come up with like I guess shadow fell versions of some of these locations or? It, it was I, I, I again since I used the actual lost mine uh, story because mm. I wanted to make sure my stuff was had good continuity with it. Yeah, yeah. It wasn't difficult, I suppose, because I can kind of just see what what little art objects did they find in this location. Like mm-hmm. one of them, for example, is in the Cragmaw hideout, which is a cave. That's like the first location you really go to in Lost Mine. They find this little. Uh, frog statue and it's just an art object worth 50 gold or something like that mm-hmm. uh, so I use that as the start of the adventure is it's not just an art object it's a magic item or it's a piece of a ritual 
that the Bullywugs used from the Shadowfell side, and it was just found on this side. But if you do this, uh, you know, this little couple of things combine them, you get transported to the Shadowfell version of this cave, which is uh, where a Bullywug tribe lives. And you go there and now you are, you know, in a, in a Shadowfell marsh and yeah. there's all these different things. And so I, because I used the inspiration from the one side, I, it wasn't super difficult. And then I did a, a ton of research on how the planes work just to make sure I I kind of got the the energy that needed to be there. Yeah. Well, there, uh, I guess I, one thing I always kind of like about doing kind of little deep dives is kind of like those weird, weird facts or weird bit of law information that you kind of pick up. Any any kind of really, really like niche law stuff that you found out that you like? Uh, I like the story of the Raven Queen from the Shadowfell. Uh, and, it, and, it, and it's changed over time. I think, mm -hmm. you know, like maybe it came out in 4E or something and 5E is a little bit different, but, you know, it was like an exile from elves or something. And they ended up kind of taking over the Shadowfell because there was, uh, I want to say, Shar, maybe another uh, god was in charge. Yeah. So they ended up like inheriting it, or actually, it doesn't actually state, if I recall, is that, you know, some source says that Shar is in charge and some other source says the Raven Queen's now in charge. So, I mean, you know, are they both, do they both know yeah. that it's been taken over or, the, you know, is that? <laughs> the Raven Queen gets it on the weekends. And... Yeah, yeah, it's like a custody <laughs> issue. Yeah. No, I, I think, because I think, was it as well? Because the Raven Queen has, is it the Fortress of Memories or something like this? Yeah, 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 yeah. The... I, I, yeah it's kind of weird things like that I like to think of like there's this like plane of existence where memories are kept and it just it, i guess it's just like i don't know how that interacts with like the ethereal plane because i technically isn't geez this is getting, getting really but the ethereal planes on the same spectrum yeah it's in the same inner plane kind of overlaying all of those oh, it's it's yeah. a real it's a real mess <laughs> that's a good example though this fortress of memories or, or, or whatever the real name is but uh, that's one of the creatures I created for the Shadowfell adventure is called a memory flurry. And this Ooh. memory flurry is like a method sort of thing, but it, it, it has the ability to extract uh, a memory uh, from an individual. And then as soon as it does, it runs back to the uh, Raven queen with nice. that memory. So, I mean, that's like a, one of those what if things that I came up with is like, yeah, well, how, how do these memories get to her? Well, yeah. this is how they, <laughs> it's a little, little like pickpocket with like, a, yeah, exactly. Yeah. No, awesome. Um, no, fantastic. Then I guess kind of more, more broadly then, looking across your kind of, your, your entire kind of catalog, is there like a particular lesson that you wish you maybe learned a little bit sooner? Uh, lesson that I learned sooner? Yeah, it's, I'm like a perfectionist really. If I, something doesn't look, if my stuff doesn't look like Wizards of the Coast stuff, I think I I can't release it yet because it's not perfect, right? Mm. Uh, so I, I would have just said to myself, hey, you know, just it's better to do something and do it wrong and then get some feedback than not do it at all. Yeah. Which is what, like I said, I had a big hiatus eight months or something. I did nothing because I didn't want to do uh, anything that was less than perfect, right? I, in retrospect, I would have just told myself, hey, just, just do it. You'll learn. Even if the only thing you learned on that project is how to upload it to DMs Guild for sale, you know, at least you did something and you learned yeah. something and you got more iterations behind your uh, processes and that type of thing, or, or refined your processes. As a matter of fact, that's one of the big things I do now is uh, I have a I have a step-by-step -step process for writing something, you know, get the idea, now make the outline, now expand on the outline, now fill in the descriptions or, you know, whatever these items are. And at yeah. the last step of the process, after the marketing is I go back to through my process and I say, hey, 
what could have been better this time that I could write down? Because yeah. I feel if I get this process, uh, you know, instructions to myself, because when I get writer's block or just overwhelmed, I, I sometimes don't know what to do. Like, it seems like there's so much to do. Mm-hmm. But I can always just refer to this instruction set that I wrote for myself and say, okay, just do this. This is the step. Don't worry about it. This yeah. is the step. This process is proven. Just do the steps and it'll be fine. And then when I finally get more control over you know, what's going on, then I, I'll be right where I need to be. And I can, can, can continue right there. Yeah, no, I, I'm the same way. I, I always feel like that step coming away from each project. It, it's like, it, it works best when it feels like there's, there's been a lesson in there. Uh, the fact that whether I, you know, I've learned a new way to kind of tackle something or my editors made me realize how much I use a particular phrase and how I will, you know, kind of work to diversify. Um, yeah. It's, it's, yeah. And, and, and yeah, I think, yeah, kind of having those, those processes. And I think what I kind of like as well, cause I get, I'm very similar to you in the fact that I, I kind of have the outline that I go and kind of flesh out um, following that kind of sort of approach. You kind of always have that kind of like that, that freedom, because as you kind of like flesh something out, that kind of gives you that freedom to like, Oh, I've got this other idea now. And that can kind of kind of expand and grow and, and bit by bit, we're kind of giving yourself these kind of like little, um, I guess like breadcrumbs for like future, like inspiration points. Um, uh, yeah. As a matter of fact, that touches on something I would like to do is that is to, to have my own setting, right? Cause if I have a setting, all these, like you said, branching out, they all, they're in my setting. So it's just the next adventure or the next yeah. city or whatever. They're all, they're all going to be used and they're all pertinent. So I guess I, I kind of more quick, like a, a, a slightly more targeted question about like how you would go about writing a setting. Would you kind of still tackle it from like, I guess, like almost like an adventure driven approach or would it be more kind of alongside like a kind of like almost like gazetteer or. Uh, so again, I do things epically, uh, yeah. even though I shouldn't. So if I'm going to write a setting, I'm going to start with the world map. Right. Mm-hmm. So I need to know what's to the west. I need to know what's to the east. I need to know what's to the north. Otherwise, I feel I'm going to be asked a question that I can't answer. Yeah. Uh, but educating myself over the last year uh, and I do I read I read about adventure design and good adventures and I review adventures just so I can learn. So I'm constantly learning. So it, it sounds like uh, the consensus is the best place is probably just to start in a town, in a region, and yeah. just write an adventure there and then let it let it grow from that. You know, that's your seed point and then let it let it grow out. So I'll, I'd probably force myself to do that. And it would also come out in, uh, like you said, a gazetteer form is once I got that uh, initial area done, I would just be releasing yeah. little bits, you know, oh, this is some news from over here or whatever. And it just kind yeah. of builds up slowly. Because oh, it almost feels like there's, there's so many different ways to do it. Obviously, you can have like kind of all encompassing tome that is everything. But I think almost from like the, it's 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 that's very satisfying from like a designer standpoint. But then I guess you always have to think about it as well from like almost like a customer standpoint. And having like I guess like a really thin document that kind of is like the whole. This is like this is the whole world sort of thing. This is kind of the stuff that you're going to be dealing with. And then having slightly thicker kind of like more location specific either adventure chains or you know that kind of style of 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 like oh here's here's you know a a a crowd's uh, a a town crier's guide to this place and then you kind of have all that kind of interesting information um is probably a slightly more digestible way to do it um yeah i think it also that way makes more sense because your customers as you said it, they can tell you what's interesting to them maybe you think that this the desert area is super good and you're getting ready to write that as your first source book is the desert of my planet. No. Uh, but it turns out everybody loves this 
uh, forest that you made, the dark forest, and everybody just keeps asking about it. And you go, yeah. oh, okay, now that I know that, I'll yeah. start with that dark forest. And, and, that's what and, and I guess, again, because as someone who kind of, uh, I, I kind of struggle from like always making things a little bit too big, it it, it kind of, because you're not, not that point of like, oh, I've written three locations and I still have seven more to go. And it's like, I can't release this yet because I've only got one set. But then, you know, by breaking it up, it kind of, makes hopefully makes everything more manageable um maybe again I, i'm i don't have plans i'm doing like a, a setting guide anytime soon but maybe that's how i'll do it if i if i were yeah yeah uh, same thing if i ever do a, a patreon or, or some kind of thing where i have regular releases it'll definitely be for a setting so that you know for the material now goes with the material a year ago or a month ago or whatever nice so, so then I guess kind of um, more generally, and because bringing up like kind of Patreon and kind of the community as a whole, um, are there kind of like anyone or is there anyone in the kind of community who particularly kind of inspires you? Uh, yeah, I mean, there there's so many people and they all have their own angle. Uh, immediately coming to mind as Travis Legg, who I've done some work with, he has like his own you know, OSR uh, setting that he works with in it, and I've got to do some of the regional uh, gazetteer things for that and that was very interesting um i, I jvc perry who has that uh, call from the deep campaign book i i, I want to do a campaign <laughs> book so that's so that's super nice uh i think anthony joyce who i i, I look at his work because he, he again started out with the al stuff and you know we can see where that's taken him and he's been able to do different things and uh, I, there's so so many names. and i and like i said i read a lot there's uh i want to say is it Justin Alexander who has a big website that has a bunch of design notes on it? Mm -hmm. um, and Keith Armand for the oh the things monsters. what the monsters do, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, so all these things are great. I don't think yeah the I, I particularly like uh, again I, I, not to again all amazing, uh, but the yeah the kind of uh, pointing to uh, Keith Armand's like what the monsters know is it is it is such a, like an interesting tool. It's kind of interesting to kind of look at how it kind of like supplements kind of existing content um and every now and then i do kind of like when 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 the, i know there's gonna be like a particularly challenging like fight up ahead um i always do find that there's there's sometimes like one or two tactics in there that i didn't necessarily think of i'm like that's evil i like that i'm gonna i'm gonna i'm gonna borrow that one and and, and, and that way if you know the party dies i i'm not to blame i can just point out like the <laughs> yeah 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 a particular one that i like is, is the goblin because the goblin has a bonus action hide and of course if they if you're a creature with a bonus action hide you're going to use that as often as you can so oh yeah I know. they become skirmishers who hide behind boulders and come out you know slice you and go back there and hide again you know it's it's really interesting yeah hiding behind that rock and everything um no awesome and then well i guess kind of um generally then uh because uh look, looking at the time chris uh we, we've done it it's it, it's been an hour um but i do want to hear about if there's any any some some of the interesting stuff that you're working on at the moment uh right now I'm, i got the uh, Feywild version of the Shadowfell campaign that I'm, I'm starting to go on. Mm -hmm. uh, I've got a couple domains of delight that I'm working on. Uh, one of them is a, uh, 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 a uh, Debbie plane where the toys toys fight each other. You know, it's nice. like a, a toy soldier type of a thing. Um, I got another subclass coming out, and then my big that used to be my campaign called Everstorm, which will be a, a campaign book, and I'm going to start work on that. Wow, Jesus, fair. So it sounds like kind of like you you're kind of quite used to kind of jumping between projects. Is that kind of a good way to kind of keep up kind of like uh, motivation across? 
Yeah, I have like a, a horrible writer's block. I mean, I have a family, I have kids, I have, you know, another business I have to run. So I get distracted a lot. I, I'm actually worried about the level of distraction I received <laughs> lately. Uh, but yeah, if I get a blocked in one area and I just can't do something, I just switch to something else that I can then, you know, have fresh eyes on. And I have plenty of stuff to do and kind of let that writer's block subside from the other area. No, awesome. Um, and then kind of, I guess, following on for that, because again, if people want to stay up to date and hear about all these, all these cool projects, uh, what's the best way for them to do that? Uh, I got my website now. It's uh, cryptright.com. I'm sure you'll have that in your, your show notes. It's yeah. difficult to spell, probably. Uh, same thing, Twitter, uh, same name. Uh, I'm there, you know, as often as I can be. I'm, I'm not super into social media, per se, as I'd rather just be writing. But uh, either one of those is, is good, uh, and I'm very interactive. If somebody talks to me, I, I talk back and, you know, let that go. I'm just not really good at instigating conversations, oh, yeah. but I'm decent at having Yeah. No, so this is like the kind of case of where the, the, the green flag is open. So come, like, yeah, yeah. Come, 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 no, I was, like, was going to compliment you on your, on your, uh, your portfolio website. It's, it's, it's very nice. I kind oh, of like website? The, yeah, yeah. I, that's, it's kind of like, a, like I, I like the kind of um, pattern for like being able to kind of see all the products up front. I think I, I, it's, like, it's a case of any time I'm looking at like uh, someone's like portfolio, I'm always like, I really need to update mine. Oh, no, mine's, it's getting, mine's getting old and rusty. Like, I can't remember the last time I went through and kind of updated it with all the... Um... Uh, yeah, I use my, uh, my uh, traditionally through trade, I'm a programmer. So I use my skills there to nice. encode that. And I can like, every time I release a new product, I have a little script I can run that will regenerate the entire website. And I can uh... Yeah, I see. I think having it kind of like automized or like part of your process. You're like, oh, I've released something new. Let's, let's. But you, I, I just forgot. Like, so yeah, so long ago that now it's like it's not a whole. It'll be a whole day's worth, uh, days worth of work. And that's just like for me right now. So that's too much. I just, I just wanna, I wanna be a bit couch potato. Um, my, my, my goal is to make the process so streamlined that it gets out of the way of the creativeness. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, that, that's a good approach because I think you know the, the moment you're kind of working on something that isn't actually meaningful, kind of meaningfully contributing to anything, and it's just the time sink. You need to you need to do something about it. Um, but no, honestly, uh, Chris, thank you so much for taking the time to to uh, sit and have this chat. Um, it's been yeah, it's, it's, it's been I, again. I I'm I again. I'm I'm always. Uh, I'll be honest. I'm, I do have favorites when it is the chance to kind of chat to like other adventure designers. Um, I'm, you know, I, I, I won't, I won't hide my, I have, I have a favorite child, <laughs> but, um, but no, awesome. Um, and, um, uh, I guess, uh, otherwise, yeah, what is it? I've, I've been Matthew Whitby, um, and you can find me at Whitby Writes. Um, the product I was talking about at the start of this is the long saddle, a long saddle gazetteer, which is out now. Um, and it has all, all wondrous news for everything long saddle related, everything the Harpel family related. Um, it's it's got too much content in it, arguably. <laughs> so go go check out the link in the description. Um, but with that, I do have my favorite and my last question, um, which is, uh, Chris, how do you how do you end a podcast? Uh, so I thought about this. I've seen you ask other other uh, guests on here, and I, I think it's just you roll credits and uh, fade away. Whoa. Yeah. <laughs>